the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ Amen can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I've been a pastor for many, many years. And the most difficult part of being a pastor, well, there are a number of difficulties, but one of the greatest difficulties is moving people to action. And this broadcast is about action. It's a call to war. It's a call to do something. We're going to talk about what that doing looks like today. We have a new year coming, and I've titled this broadcast, Go for Your Dream. (laughs) If you've been listening very long to this broadcast, you know I'm going to teach just the absolute opposite of that. It's not about If it's going to be, it's up to me. It's not about going for your dream. It's about going for God. It's about crying out in prayer. But I'm getting ahead of myself. It's difficult to help people. It's difficult to help you move into action. There is so much stimulants being used today in the news media, in the entertainment. Everybody wants something. The advertisements bore us to tears and we click them off before they even get on the internet. Everybody wants something. So we don't move until we want something until something in us moves us to say, I'd better do something. Well, this broadcast is about doing something. It's about leaving your sin 
and getting right with Jesus. And it's about prayer and winning the lost to Jesus. It's about being a servant in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's about action. But many of you will sit back. You're not going to give anything. You're not going to write anything in the in the chat area. You're not going to call me. You're not going to come on Sunday. You're not going to do anything. Because you're fat and happy in your little world that you've created for yourself. You're happy in your easy chair. You're happy with the television. You're happy with the internet. You're happy with your work and you're making money and you're taking care of family. And I remember as a kid, there was a, a picture that was put up one worship service and it was a cartoon style picture. And this man was sitting in his easy chair and the cartoon had someone coming up behind him and slipping under his chair three sticks of dynamite with the caption, Now do you think he'll move? <laughs> How many sticks of dynamite have to go under your chair before you'll begin to cry out to God in prayer? We open the mics on Friday for anybody to call in prayer, and it's like, pulling teeth to the point I've I've almost canceled Friday prayer because no I just want to listen I don't want to pray well I know why people don't want to pray it's because they are blocked in by the devil there's not a clear heart open communication with Jesus so they don't want to pray. And if they do pray, they pray their normal little, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Maybe pray for Aunt Jane's sore toe or some other trite thing. Not that her toe is trite, but you hear what I'm saying. Don't bother me, Pastor. My, my schedule's full. It's a great joy to me when I begin to see someone get out of their chair and begin to take some action. And there are some of you who've done exactly that. You've gotten out of your comfort zone. You've stood up out of your alcohol and your uncleanness and your fornication. And you've said, I want Jesus. And you've made great strides in that Christian walk. But most of you, no, not so much. Well, here's the problem. We have been seduced by the devil. Yes. As soon as you hear, go for your dream, those are familiar, seductive words in our culture. Of course I'm going to go for my dream. 
Very seductive words. I don't say go for your dream. I say go for God. How do you go for God? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus faced the most powerful seductions that Satan had in his arsenal. He came saying, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Satisfy your hunger. You're dying of, of hunger. You've been fasting for 40 days. Your body is wasted, and it's time for you to eat. Now, now turn those stones into bread. He said, no. It's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, I'm going to live by what God says. I'm going to act on what God says. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And then the angels of God came and ministered to him. Well, the devil wasn't through. He transported Jesus. I don't know how that worked. I don't know why Jesus allowed that. But he transported him to the highest pinnacle in the holy city. And he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He could look down. Other so-called messiahs had come and they had applied this test to them. And of course, when they leapt, they leapt to their death. And the word from the devil was, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you. Oh, Jesus, you want to trust in God. Okay, let's, let's do a test with God. You're going to only do what the Lord tells you to do. You're only going to trust in God. Okay, great. Trust in God. He said he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus, go for it. Go for your dream because this will prove to all of Jerusalem that you are the Messiah. And your ministry will start with a great surge of energy and interest. And everyone will be paying attention to you. Go for it, Jesus. Go for your dream. Jump. See, all temptations, all temptations come with seduction, beguiling. Temptations come and they totally are meant to disarm us and cause us to go for what we want, to go for our dream, to go for that look that you want, to go for that makeup that will change you completely into another person, go for the, the money job, go for whatever it is you want to go for, go for it, achieve it, be somebody. This seduction is coming like a fire against the American church, and we haven't even begun to see where this will end. But it will not end well. 
What do I mean? Well, you hear me often speaking here about a final end-day revival. And if you listen to others, you'll hear them also talking about a great end-time revival, a time when God's people are going to be empowered to do mighty signs and wonders. I listened to a young man this morning. I believe he's a very sincere young man, but I believe he's totally deluded. He gets into these trances with God, where God speaks to him. And he was describing how God said to him, Jesus said to him, I'm going to pour it all out. I'm going to give the church everything. I thought he already did that. Isn't that what Ephesians, the first chapter says? That no gift has been withheld from the church. But he's convinced a great outpouring is going to come of the gifts of God. And he said, it'll start with the young people. And the children in school will begin to pray for classmates. And while the whole classroom watches, an arm will grow out. Or a leg will grow out. Or a whatever it is will take place and the healing will take place. His greatest desire right now is that he says, I take a glass of water and I look at it and I say, in the name of Jesus of Galilee, be turned into wine. And he said, I I watch to see if that clear water will turn red and be wine. He said, that's what's going to happen at the end of time. Soon, he believes, that people are going to be able to make amazing things happen. Well, I think he's probably right. The seduction is coming to the church where there is going to be an amazing outpouring of power that will not address righteousness, that will not address sin, that will not have as its focus repentance, that will have as its focus turning away from wickedness. No, the modern church wants to keep all of its belief in the unconditional love of God. They want to keep all of their belief that they are saved even as they continue to walk in sin. They want to hold on to their cultural understanding of the church. And the result will be that the power will come, but it's not going to come from God. It's going to come from the devil. It's going to come from seducing spirits. We're told in 1 John, test the spirit. Well, how do you test the spirit? Did Jesus come in the flesh? Is he fully God? Yes, Does his blood do the work of removing all sin from my life? 
If it doesn't, if I say to you the blood of Jesus is like the blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament and it can't remove the old man of sin, you are set for an amazing outpouring of demonic power that will bring you great pleasure but leave you walking in your sin. That's the seduction we have coming for the American church. Now, I do believe and know from the Lord and from the word that there will be one final proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ calling men and women to repent and turn from their sin. And the primary focus of that is going to be repent and turn from your sin, not come and get healed. Now, yes, healings may happen, but that will not be the primary focus. It will be Jesus is coming, get washed and get clean because you're going to go to hell if you don't get washed and get clean. But the modern church is going to say, we don't need to get washed and get clean. We have imputed grace. We're good to go. When Jesus looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees himself. He loves us unconditionally. Once saved, always saved. We're God's kids. I heard one preacher say, a very prominent national pastor, he said, do you really think that God can throw his kids into hell? Yes, I do. And that's what the Bible teaches. But he said, oh no, once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. He hasn't read the Bible, has he? He doesn't know what he's talking about. He is a deceiver, but he's very popular. So we find this seduction of Jesus where he's saying, go for your dream. Jump. Prove that you're the Messiah right up front. Just prove you're the Messiah. And everybody will follow you. And you'll be the most popular man in the nation. The Jerusalem Post will write up a big story and they'll take pictures of you jumping and they'll take pictures of, of your landing and everyone will say, this is the Messiah. Jesus did not jump. He answered, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not test God. Wait on God. Wait on God. Now, I want to show you a story in the Old Testament that will help us understand even better what this seduction is and how it works. The whole Israelite community had begun to enjoy the manna that was falling from the sky, trainloads of, of this manna, thousands and thousands of pounds would fall from the sky. They had food to eat, tasted like wafers made with honey. Chapter 17 of Exodus, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. 
traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. And they camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? Saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? If the Lord's here, then he has to do this. Now, please, they could see the pillar of fire at night. They could see the pillar of cloud in the day. They just eaten the manna, but now they're out of water. And what's their first response? Their first response is anger, bitterness. We want what we want. We want our lifestyle. We want our money. We want our friends. We want our hidden life. We don't want to open our hearts and cry out to God. We don't want to cry out for his mercy. We don't want to put our trust in him and say, you've led us this far across the Red Sea. You delivered us from Egypt. You've given us food to eat. You've given us heat during the night. You've given us shade during the day. You've done everything for us, O God. Now, could you give us water? We're thirsty. Our livestock is thirsty. We know you will. We'll wait on you, Lord. We trust you. We love you, Lord God of heaven. You have done such amazing things for us. I lift my heart in praise and worship before you. Miriam, come and, and lead a dance in praise while we don't have any water and while we're thirsty. Miriam, come lead a dance and, and praise God. Let's honor his name. No, 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 none of that went on. Why? They were thirsty. And God is their servant. And he hadn't shown up with the water that they wanted, and they're angry with him. So they'll chastise him. Why aren't you doing your, your job, God? Somebody this week said to me, my mom and dad really irritated me this week. And I got so angry with them, I yelled at my dad. Because he wouldn't do what I wanted. He said, somebody has to teach him a lesson. I said, and you think you're the one to teach your dad a lesson? Yes, somebody has to teach him a lesson. He has to do what he's supposed to do. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that how it works? I don't think so. <laughs> my brother, my sister, a great delusion 
is coming upon the church. And you are going to be swept away in the wickedness of the religion of your heart. You are going to be swept away when God doesn't do for you what you want. And so Satan is going to step in and say, hey, look, I'm an angel of light. I've come from God, and I'm here to give you all of this. And wonderful gifts are going to be poured out. Can I tell you something? When Jesus died on Calvary, he was the greatest gift that we could ever have received. And then in Ephesians, it says that Jesus passed out gifts as he chose. Ephesians, the first chapter, says he gave out all of the gifts of heaven. Nothing has been withheld from us. Are we going to see the working of the Holy Spirit? Yes, in the building of the kingdom of God and the preparation for the coming of Jesus. But how was that coming of Jesus announced? Well, in those days, Matthew 3, verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So, today, the message of true revival is not, Come see the David Copperfield show. Come see the wonderful miracles that are happening here. No, the sign of true revival is the word of God coming to you saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Verse 6, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Do you realize John the Baptist never performed one miracle, but he prepared the way of the Lord. He turned the heart of Israel to repentance, to sorrow for sin, to cleaning up their lives. Do you understand? It's not signs and wonders that we need. It's repentance that we need. It's turning away from wickedness and washing and getting clean before God in preparation for his coming so we will not be shut out of his kingdom. Verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, or you... You snarl of snakes, just newly hatched snakes. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruits in keeping with repentance. The revival that is going to come, that is the true revival, is going to be saying, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Repent. Reform your ways. Put your trust in Jesus and wait upon him. 
Now verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The revival that is going to come is going to be marked by the fire of God separating the wheat from the chaff. The revival is going to be marked by the Lord gathering his wheat into the kingdom of heaven. And the chaff burning, cast out. So he leaves John the Baptist and is led straight into the wilderness. And Jesus answers, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, if we come back to Exodus, the 17th chapter. The people were thirsty for water. They were grumbling against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? They were lying about God. Today, the church lies about God. He won't do anything. He loves us. We're his children. We can go to all the football games we want to go to. We can watch all the vampire movies we want. We can engage in every kind of filthy action that we choose. We can do whatever we want because we have the unconditional love of God. Liar, liar, liar. Testing God, making God angry. The Lord is patient. He is exceedingly long suffering. His heart is filled with mercy. But you can push God too far by your unbelief and your rebellion, and your refusal to repent. And when you do this, the Lord God of heaven will become very angry. Now I go back to this young man who claims to hear from God. And his words were, how kind and how long-suffering God is. So let's go for our dream. God's going to give us all of these wonderful things. Not one word about repent of your sin. Not one word about get, get clean before God and turn from your fornication and from your drugs and your smoking, your gambling. Not one word. No, God's going to pour out these wonderful gifts and we're going to see these marvelous signs and wonders and the whole world is going to look and say, wow, look what God can do. Go ahead, Jesus, jump from the pinnacle. Prove that God's word is correct. Satan can quote God's scriptures 
jump. Show them you're important. Show them you're the Messiah. They'll follow you forever. Moses replied to the children of Israel. This is Exodus 17. uh, The last part of verse 2. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then the Lord Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with this people? They're ready to stone me to death. The Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. And go, and I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, meaning testing and quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled, because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And the Amalekites came and attacked Israel. And Moses had to say to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Of course, you know the story. Joshua fought them and defeated them as Moses' hands were held up in blessing. The Amalekites, that's one of God's ways. When you test God, when you quarrel with God, when you demand that he give you the signs and wonders that you want, that he make you successful and he make you into somebody, when you jump off the pinnacle and go for your dream, be sure the Amalekites will be there in the next day or two to attack you, to destroy you. Jesus Jesus went out and began to preach. Do you know what his first message was? His first message was not, watch all of the signs and wonders that I'm going to do. I'm the Messiah. You need to come and bow down before me. Is that what he did? No. This is Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him.
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. I want you to catch his first work was to preach repentance. It was only after he'd made a call for repentance that he then invited people who were sick to come and be healed. The great Argentine revival was marked by strong preaching Repent and leave your sin. And as people began to weep before the Lord and began to cry out to him to forgive them for their wicked hearts and their lazy ways, as the Holy Spirit began to unveil for them their true standing before a righteous and holy God, they wept and repented. And then the power of the Spirit came for healing. I want you to understand we are to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We are called to be fishers of men and women. We are called to do the work of the gospel. The heart cry is to God. Don't jump off the pinnacle. Don't, don't start your new company until the Lord tells you to. And then the purpose for starting the new company is not so that you can have a more comfortable lifestyle. It is so that you can win the lost to Jesus. You can have contact with them in a, in a way that allows you to confront them with sin and call them to righteousness, to call them to repent. I know this goes against what most of you have thought and learned in the modern church. There we're told, go for it. Go for your dream. Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill. All the false prophets and now the false prophets have come into the church and they're saying God's going to do something wonderful he's going to pour out all of these blessings on the on the church in America and we're going to see wondrous signs and wonders things we've never thought of before God's going to do it amongst us they're eager for revival Yes, that seduction is going to come to the Christian church and it will sweep away at least half of the church and maybe much more. The church in America is dying. Oh, the, the show is still going on. The entertainment is still flowing. 
the parties are still going. But the church is dying. It has become big business with big salaries. But anyone who has any perception of the Holy Spirit knows that the church in America is dying. It has brought every evil thing into its house. It has brought homosexuality. It has brought marriage between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It has brought utter wickedness. It has its dance and its song. It has the pastor who is a professional who can hold the crowd in, in his hand. But after he's finished, he goes about his ungodly life. And he has no depth in the spirit. And you leave the service thinking, that was very much like going to the Kennedy Center. A few laughs, a few tears. That was good. Great sermon, preacher. Thank you. All the time, God's judgment is coming upon the American church. And if the church does not turn quickly, the seduction will be so strong, so powerful, it will sweep away pastors and churches entirely sweep them away. Crowds will come to see the show. But the Holy Spirit will have removed the lampstand. And no presence of God will be in that house. It makes me Brokenhearted. So it's time that you begin to respond in the Spirit. When you hear a straight message like this, what are you going to do with it? Next time you have an opportunity to pray, are you going to withhold that prayer? Sit like a bump on the log. Next time you have an opportunity to speak with someone about the Lord Jesus, are you going to say to them, God is good? Or are you going to say to them, God is holy? And he's calling you to repent and turn away from your sin and your wickedness. Are you going to say something mouth-watering about all the blessings of God? Or are you going to talk about the true gospel of Jesus Christ that calls us to walk holy before a mighty God? Are you going to please the world? Are you going to please Jesus? Almighty God, I come today with a broken heart.
because I recognize how many times the devil has seduced me into taking actions that were for my benefit, not for your kingdom. Where the devil has told me, go for your dream, Ray, and I've done so. And I've dishonored your name. I recognize the seduction of the devil takes away even our ability to think And quickly we fall prey to his evil words that sound so sweet and so right and so so good. Lord, I know you said Eve was beguiled by the devil. She was deceived by the devil. She could not stand up against the seduction. But Lord, you've outlined for us the truth of the seduction of the devil. And you've told us to get right before you, to put on the full armor of God. You've told us to read your word and to pray and to seek your face with all of our heart. Almighty God, I come asking, Lord, by your grace and by your power, would you come to your church? And would you raise up in America a standard of righteousness and holiness? Lord, I praise God for Jonathan Kahn, who put out a message to President Obama telling him that he is apostate because of his actions as president and that God's judgment is going to come if he does not repent. Lord, I would have felt better about that sermon if it had not been directed just at the president, but if he had directed his canon at the whole American Christian church. For surely the American church has become apostate. Going away from the truth and going into darkness. With hearts filled with lust for what we desire and what we want. For the stuff of the world. For the prestige and recognition of the world for the friendships for which so many will compromise with evil. Lord Jesus, I ask again, would you raise up a standard of righteousness in this city and in this nation? Will you raise up men and women who will proclaim the true gospel of deliverance from sin, being washed by the blood of Jesus, by being made clean, being filled now with the Holy Spirit, and proclaiming repentance across the land? Lord, would you send forth your word? 
Would you send forth your word? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. You can write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you, Dilip. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, each one who has given. I trust Jesus to carry this broadcast. I put it in his hands. And I thank you for walking with me. I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for the many wonderful cards that came our way and gifts. We didn't ask for them, but I thank you for them. I thank you for those expressions of love. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.